The controversy continues to brew and even escalate when it comes to promoting transgenderism to kids, whether at school, the library, or even neighborhood discount stores. So we thought now would be a good time to take a step back and consider a biblical response to what some are calling the transing of America. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Speak Up Virginia. As I mentioned in the introduction, if you've been paying any attention to the news lately, you are aware of the battles playing out at school boards across the state over this issue of promoting transgenderism to kids and whether parents have a right to know about what's happening with that. And of course, this is all centering around the newly revised policies that Governor Yunkin's administration has put out regarding this and this showdown, for lack of a better word, over whether school boards are going to comply with these newly revised policies. Now, it's interesting how this has been shaping up. Really, the battle just kind of got started because they released the revised policies, you know, pretty late in the summer. And so I would say the battle's kind of heating up right now. And you've already had school districts like Roanoke and Spotsylvania that have courageously listened to the parents in their communities, and they have adopted these policies, putting parents back in the driver's seat on this issue of, of how transgenderism, transgender issues are handled at the school. But at the same time, you have other school districts doing the complete polar opposite, especially those in the Nova area, Fairfax, Prince William. And you've had these interesting incidents where the governor has gone on television and called out these school districts and said they do need to comply with the law. And then you had an attorney general's opinion come out. And we're going to be updating you more in a lot more detail on all of this later on in a future episode but because all this all of this continues to happen to play out in our schools, really in, in stores, corporations, we thought it would be a good time to kind of take a step back and just listen to a biblical perspective on all of this cultural chaos. And a great way to do that is to hear a message given by Gary Hamrick, senior pastor at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Now, he gave this message earlier this summer, but with all that's going on, we thought it's really still very relevant. So we wanted to bring this to you. We hope it encourages you. And I do want to thank the church for graciously allowing us to share this message. Now, I will mention that we have taken some excerpts, highlights from the sermon because of the limited time we have to share. But if you want to hear the whole thing, be sure to check that out at Cornerstone Chapel's YouTube channel. But in the meantime, I'm really excited to be able to share some highlights from that message. It's called A Biblical Response to the, quote, Transing of America. And without further ado, let's hear from Pastor Hamrick. Well, in light of the recent cultural chaos and the corporate controversies, I felt that it was time to address some of these things head on through a biblical lens uh, with a teaching today that I've entitled A Biblical Response to the Transing of America. C.S. Lewis uh, once said, quote, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind, end quote. And so the world might think that we're the crazy ones because we don't embrace 
the stuff of the culture, that we don't celebrate the stuff that is happening in our culture right now. In reality, we are running away from the cliff and we want to take as many people who are on verge of falling off the cliff with us away from the cliff because it's utter madness what is happening in our world today. I took nine years of Latin. The word trans is a preposition in Latin, and it means over, beyond, or across. And we use the word trans often as a prefix in a lot of our English words. A transatlantic flight is a flight that goes across the ocean. It goes over the ocean. The country of Jordan was originally called Transjordan because it was located across the Jordan River from Israel. We use the word in a lot of ways in our English vocabulary, but today the word trans has become a very loaded word. And so I've intentionally adopted it, I've put it in single quotes because I want to take time through a biblical lens to look at the transing of America, how America has crossed over how we have gone beyond what we once were to what we are now. And what we are now is a culture in chaos. Yes. We are a culture in chaos, rife with gender confusion and sexual perversion and this so-called woke agenda. And it all needs a biblical response. I want to begin by making it clear that this is not a sermon in any way of hatred or harm. We don't hate anyone. And we certainly don't want anyone to be harmed who might be different or who might believe differently from us as Christians. Despite the fact that our church is listed on a Facebook website where people have been taking shots, they have a list, and there are people on that Facebook list. It's being investigated now by the Attorney General and the Sheriff's Office because people who have been writing things about those on the list, some of them have been wishing harm for people on that list. Our church is on that list, okay? But that's not us. We're, we're not like that, and no one should interpret anything I say as inciting hatred or harm toward anyone. Now, I hope I've made myself clear by saying that, but I will be honest with you, I've been in this pulpit long enough to know that I can say boo, and someone will email me or take to social media and accuse me of, that's microaggression, right? right. When you said boo, that's microaggression. That's microaggression. You, are, you, are, you're ga you said boo, you're gaslighting us like ghosts. That's what you're doing, you're gaslighting us. Okay? I've been around the block enough to know that no matter what I say or how well I try to say it, somebody's gonna take an issue. So to all the keyboard cowards who are watching, Okay. This, this is simply a biblical response to the madness of the culture with a heart to want to rescue those who have been swept up by the madness of the culture. That's what this is about today. And to illustrate that point, I want to begin by sharing a story close to home here at Cornerstone, okay? A few months ago, we had a young man come here to our congregation, I say young, 30-ish, wearing a spaghetti strap, silk dress, and heels, and makeup, identifying as a woman, 
sat right down here on the second row. And at first, I have to be honest with you, I wondered, what's the agenda? You're going to get up, you're going to shout in the middle of the service, or you're going to call your friends and come here and, and, and disrupt things. And so I was curious, but, you know, not wanting to jump to conclusions, so just kind of waiting. He never did any of that. I want to thank those of you, and you know who you are, who intentionally would sit next to him and gently whisper truth to him and tell him about how Jesus loves him and that we're praying for him and want God's best for him. I was also told that there were some of you who would try to engage him in the parking lot coming or going to do the same thing, to try to speak truth to him, to whisper that to him. He never was a distraction. He would come week after week. We ended up learning that he had been previously married. He shared custody of a child. And he would sometimes, when he had custody, he would sometimes bring the child with him and register his child in our children's ministry and put the child in Sunday school. And I, and I thought to myself, the child's going to hear the gospel and he's going to hear the gospel. And there were times in the course of my teaching that I would even touch on, because I always try to use the Bible as it, as it uh, can be relevant to everyday aspect of life. And so there were times in the course of his being here that I would even talk about gender confusion, not because he was sitting on the second row and I was trying to target him, but because it was just in my notes, it was part of what I was going to say. And hopefully he would hear the truth and some of this would resonate with him and God would use it. And he would sit there and he would listen. And there were times that he would applaud even things that I was saying, literally applaud. And he was a little bit of a distraction to some of you. I got some emails, not nasty emails, but just people saying, are you aware that there's a guy in a silk spaghetti dress who's registering his kids in children's ministry and what's he doing back there? And yes, we know, we've seen him, we understand. And he became the topic of a lengthy discussion in our pastor's meeting. And I said to our pastors, look, we're going to have to just give it some time. We're going to have to give it some time. He can't serve anywhere, but he needs to come. He needs to listen. We're going to pray for him. And we're going to hope that God gets a hold of his heart and that he understands the love of Jesus and the transforming work of Jesus. So we're going to just monitor this, but we're going to give it some time. Listen, folks, people don't show up to church all cleaned up. They show up to church messed up. They show up to church lost. It's true. They show up to church lost like sheep without a shepherd, and our desire is to introduce them to the chief shepherd, Jesus, so people can know him and understand him. And if we were to just simply say, you have to leave, then where would he hear the life-changing relationship you can have in Jesus? So we needed to monitor it, and we were. But I said to my pastors, this, this requires a conversation. And one of our pastors, I think it was Mike Frick, because he's good at this. And so what we decided was we needed to have this kind of conversation with him. And so on one of the Sundays he attended here, Pastor Mike pulled him aside very quietly, discreetly, and basically said this to him, we're glad that you're here. And we want you to come into a relationship with Jesus. And we want your child to know Jesus. And um, so we're praying for you. Uh, we have one request. 
And the one request is that you honor for the protection of women and girls, our request that you never go into the women's restroom here at Cornerstone Chapel. That was our one request, okay? Yeah, we have to protect the women and girls. And, and, and that isn't making a judgment against him per se, it's just inappropriate. He's a biological male. And so we said to him, when we had this building built, we didn't do it to, you know, for any political correctness, but we have a few restrooms that are single stall family restrooms. And so we said to him, please use one of those. Initially he was miffed, but he calmed down. He, he heard Mike and he said he would oblige and he agreed. And he kept coming for a few weeks until one day he tried to enter the women's restroom. And we had been keeping an eye on him for that reason because we wanted to be sure for the safety of women and, and girls that we were going to protect the bathrooms. And so when he tried to enter one of the restrooms, one of our, one of our security guys, who's about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, close to 300 pounds, <laughs> body blocked him and said, you, you are not holding up to the one thing we asked you to do. At which point he got mad and he left and he hasn't been back. I share this story with you. I lead with this story because I want you to understand that we must never lose the mission of the church because of our outrage over the madness in the world. You should feel a sense of outrage over the cultural chaos, but direct it towards Satan. He is the liar and the father of lies. He is the one who is deceiving people and robbing them of the truth. Your outrage should never blind you to the lost and hurting people around you, even if they don't presently see how lost and hurting they are. They will. In time, they will. And what then? Because you will not be able to help them find Jesus if you are so angry. But neither will you be able to help them find Jesus if you are so affirming. If you are affirming the delusion, if you are condoning the lies, you will never help them understand the truth and the freedom that is found in Jesus. We must hold the line on truth. And we must also recognize what, what Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You see, offering the right cure requires first the right diagnosis. And here's the diagnosis of what's happening right now in our world. What is happening in corporate America, what is happening in girls' sports, what is happening on college campuses and in public schools as it relates to the gender confusion and sexual perversion and the woke agenda is complete and utter madness. It needs to be understood, that's what it is. It is madness. Look, when Target is selling women's bathing suits that are tuck-friendly, okay, tuck-friendly, do we really need this, ladies? No, you don't. That's madness. 
And for their Pride Month, Target has partnered with a clothing line called Aprilin, a London-based company which is headed by a transgender Satanist named Eric Carnell. The development of all this came from this guy who's a self-identified Satanist. Last year, Carnell wrote, this guy, he's a transgender. I honestly don't know what his biological sex is because I, I sometimes get confused. Did you, which way did you transgender? I don't even know. So I, I don't, I'm not trying to be funny. I honestly don't know. But regardless, let me, let me tell you what he posted, what Carnell posted on, on his company's Instagram page last year. Quote, being called a demon is something I can cope with and the idea of a trans demon is pretty blank cool. Most of my work focuses on gothic or dark and satanic imagery juxtaposed with bright colors and LGBT plus positive messages. This is who Target partnered with. Now, Target apparently has since either moved his display to the back or severed. I'm not sure what the relationship is now, but now, now Carnell is mad at Target's response. But this is madness. When North Face has a guy with a mustache wearing a rainbow dress as their spokesman, inviting people to explore the outdoors where there will be, quote, hiking, community, art, lesbians, and lesbians making art, end quote, that's madness. When Disney has a guy with a mustache wearing a dress and welcoming little girls into the enchanted chamber, that's madness. When Coles targets children and infants to promote the LGBTQ agenda with these outfits, that's madness. When approved reading material in the school system is so pornographic that when parents read excerpts of the approved reading material at public school board meetings and the school board people tell those parents to stop reading it because it's inappropriate, but yet somehow it's appropriate for the children to read. That's what? That's madness. You know, it bothers me sometimes, well, it bothers me all the time that uh, the rainbow has been stolen from God because it's God's rainbow. It's in the Bible. We need to take the rainbow back and use it for what it really is. It's a reminder to us that God made a covenant after the flood where he had the rainbow as a, as a visible demonstration that he promised to never again destroy the entire world by a worldwide flood. That's what the rainbow means. It symbolizes his grace that he's never going to destroy the world again with a flood. Having said that, he still has fire. <laughs> and he will use it. Because the Bible says that's the way the earth is going down. It's going to burn. And I'm going to read this because it leads into what can we do. Here's the, here's the passage, 2 Peter 3, 10 to 12. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, listen to the question. What kind of people ought you to be? What are we supposed to do? And he answers it. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Amen. So what should we do? There's going to be four quick things. The first one is we have to live a holy life. That's what I just read for us. There's going to be a day when God's going to judge the earth and the people of the earth. And when he's done, he's going to burn the earth up. And, there, and, and those who are with him will be with him forever. And those who are not are going to be sentenced and eventually in the lake of fire. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so we should long to be with him. 
This earth is going to be destroyed. And Jesus says, in the meantime, through the pen of Peter, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. In other words, we can't just be yelling at the darkness. We must be walking in the light as He is in the light. We cannot expect God to change the culture unless we are first asking God to change our own sinful hearts. When you look at the world around you, are you troubled by it? Of course. But are you more troubled by it than your own sinful heart? I hope not. Judgment begins with the house of God. And we must first take the log out of our own eye before we are able to help someone with a speck in theirs. We have to look at our own hearts. Number two, it's important that we have a healthy home. And by this I mean spiritually healthy. Praying together. Screening what comes into the house over Netflix and Prime and the internet. Bringing up your children in the ways of the Lord. Talking to them at every opportunity you get about the Lord and the Bible and what the Bible says. This is Deuteronomy 6-7. Listen to what it tells us. Impress them. Okay, talking about God's laws. The Word of God. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Like, use every opportunity to talk to them about the Lord and about the Word. Spend time with them. Don't give me this garbage like, well, it's, it's, you know, quality of time. It's not quantity of time. No. It's quantity as well as quality. We have to work hard at this because you want the hearts of your kids to be bonded to the Lord and to be bonded to you more than the world. And know what they are doing. Get into their business. Okay? (laughs) Know what they are doing. Do you know that the average daily screen time on devices for children ages 8 to 12, average daily, five hours a day. The average daily screen time for youth ages 13 to 17, eight hours a day. Parents, you are losing the influence over your kids to the device in their hands that is feeding their soul lies and misinformation. You had better control that. You had better be on top of that. You have to know what they are looking at. You have to know who they are talking to or you will lose them to this culture. You say, well, I don't, I don't want to be a helicopter parent. You know, that's what I hear. I don't want to be a helicopter parent. I don't want to hover. You know, I just want, I don't want to be a helicopter, but I don't want to be one of those. Just give them kind of some freedom. I don't want to be a helicopter. You know what? You know what? You're right. It's, that's true. Don't be a helicopter parent. Be a... Be a fighter jet parent. That's what you need to be. Be a fighter jet parent. Be, be a Lockheed Martin F-22, and you, you lock in on whatever is attacking your child's mind and heart, and you fight for them. Fight for them. But number three, we also have to have a strong stance. This is 2 Timothy 1.12. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. In other words, don't cave to the culture, friends. Stay strong. Stop affirming the delusion. 
Stop, you know, I'm going to start, you know, giving people the pronouns that they want. Stop that. You are perpetuating the madness. You are affirming the lies. You can still just call them by their name. You don't have to use pronouns that are inconsistent with their biological sex. You're not helping. It is not loving to affirm a lie. So stop doing that. But because of all this madness in the world, we need to saturate our hearts and minds with the Word of God so that we can counter the lies in our minds with the truth of God's Word. We need our identity to be rooted in Christ at a time especially when people are so confused about their identity. And, and what I decided to do to just kind of bring this third point to a close is to list six truths from God's Word, just six, what I felt like were six truths that counter the, the, most, the, the most current lies right now in our culture, okay? And so here they are. You can take a picture of it, or later this will be posted on our website. And I just encourage you, at least get these six truths into your heart so that you can be, you know, fortified against the lies of the culture. So here they are. Number one, God's Word is truth and the standard of all that is right and wrong. John 17, 17. Jesus said it. Number two, God designed us male and female. Genesis 1, 27. Number three, God designed each person with beauty and purpose, being fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, 14. Number four, God designed sex within the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. Genesis 1, 28. Number five, God designed all races with equal value and worth, Acts 10, 34 to 35. And number six, God loves all and died for all in order to save all who would call upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 9 to 13. That's the truth. We need to get that into our hearts. And I'll end point number four. I'll end our time kind of where we began. We need to have a tender heart. This is Jude 22 to 23. It says, be merciful to those who doubt and snatch others from the fire and save them. Jude writes there, there are people on their way to hell. He says, we need to snatch them from the fire. And we have to have a tender heart in order to do that. There are hurting and confused people in this world who need to know that Jesus saves, heals, and forgives, and that they can have a complete identity in him. Listen to this. A study published recently in the Journal of Sexual Medicine showed that trans kids were prescribed more antipsychotic drugs after beginning gender transition than before. They're hurting. Stats vary, but you can read anywhere from 8 to 13% of those who have transitioned are de-transitioning because they're not happy. May God break our hearts for them and for people in same-sex relationships, and for people who have had abortions, and for all who have been caught up in the madness and the lies. Spurgeon says, in order to be winners of souls, we must first be weepers for souls. And I close with the words of the Apostle Paul from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand, to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope those words really encouraged and emboldened you today. Personally, I really appreciated what he said from Charles Spurgeon about before we can win souls, we need to be able to weep for them. And I just pray that God will help us just have that conviction that we will have the confidence that we need in the gospel and biblical truth, but we'll also have God's heart of mercy for those around us wrestling with these issues, and that he will give us really the grace to live out the example of Jesus in this culture today, but also the boldness to tackle these tough issues around us, because it does have real impact on kids, on families, and the future generations. So we just pray that Lord will give us mercy to have the right Christ-centered approach to these issues. In the meantime, I want to encourage you with resources that you will find on our Protect Every Kid website. That's familyfoundation.org slash protecteverykid. And as schools are battling this out, as school board members might need to hear more balanced perspectives than the one-sided narrative they usually hear, this is a great place to go. It's an action center, a resource center where you can get talking points that will help you with your school board members when you're testifying. Um, There are community Uh, you know, point, there are community resources where you can show a visual demonstration of support, downloadable Protect Every Kid stickers, flyers, things like that, videos um, that express a good biblical viewpoint and a parent-centered viewpoint on these issues. So be sure to check all of this out at our Protect Every Kid initiative. In the meantime, don't forget to share our playlist to help other people stay informed, the Speak Up Virginia playlist. And we will see you next time. Remember, we are stronger when we speak together. 